0: You know, as we're doing our resolution with men today, uh, on our Man Up series and things we as men are committing to, and whether you got that resolution in the last two weeks to sign or not, they—I think they gave it out the door. So you can read over and pray. You can still get involved in that. But Chris, his testimony. How many of you enjoyed Chris's testimony? Come on. His testimony really sums up the why behind man up. His testimony really sums up my heart toward our men. His testimony really sums up what I believe God wants to do with this generation. Because when the the hearts are turned back, when the father turns their hearts toward the sons, the sons will return their hearts toward the fathers. It's the last verse in the... Old Covenant and the New Testament in the old testament god didn 't speak for I think four hundred years to anyone until he spoke to John the Baptist, but well obviously mary but here 's what I want to say here 's what I want to say men there 's a difference when you turn your hearts towards your sons and and men, I want to speak to you as to speak to any young men, boys, whoever, because we have such a fatherless nation. It breaks my heart to see how rampant the enemy has used that to try to bring down this great nation, and we want to celebrate our nation's birthday. Let's just give God a big shout and thank Him for our nation. Happy Fourth of July right now. I, I can't think of a greater way to celebrate the nation than, than to man up as men. Because when we turn our hearts, what it's talking about there, the Scripture is talking about, it's not talking about you just give them your attention a little bit and then all of a sudden, man, they're going to, someday they're going to turn their hearts and do want everything you want. No, 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 no. Now, now, we know where we're talking about a father. We're talking about a mother and a father, right? And so we're, it's the spirit of a father, the spirit of a spiritual father, spiritual mother as well. So what God is saying is this. When he's saying this, he's saying it's not about you convincing them to turn their heart towards you. Because if they turn their heart toward us, they're turning their what? Their, their decision-making resource, their mind, their will, their emotions, also their spirit, they're, they're turning it towards you. And if we want them to have the heart of a father, we better have the right heart. huh? So whenever that happens, what, what's taking place? Whenever that heart is transformed, So so it's really not about me convincing them or you convincing men or young men or whatever, spiritual, natural, your sons, so on. It's not about you convincing them the way you like it or want it. It's about you understanding their heart and connecting with it. Because shepherds don't drive. Shepherds lead. And if they're leading you somewhere, there should be something good to eat. Somebody wants something good to eat? Come on, man. And so that's what really this whole thing about the the Man Up series has been. We did it about five years ago, and, and it just revolutionized things. There's a lot of men just on fire still in this house that signed this resolution and made this covenant. But as we look at it, Manning up is what Chris was talking about. Manning up is making tough choices. Manning up is about making difficult decisions. You know, if a decision's hard, you still have to make a hard decision. And when you make a decision, it takes strength. When you make a decision, it takes courage. When you make a decision, when you're decisive and you make a choice, like he said, I've said it for years, we're, we are today the sum total of every decision we've made. That's what we are. I want to change that phrase today because God's given me a little revelation about it. We are the sum total. We are not the sum total of every decision we've made. We were the sum total of every decision we made. So where are you getting at? Where are you getting at? Let me help you. If I was looking over a canyon right now, see, I was looking in the Grand Canyon and I, and I just looked in that canyon and, and all of a sudden I just said, hey, it'd go, hey, 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 hey. Hey, the echo go, hey, hey, hey. Now, if I'm doing that and I just go, hey, what's happening? My voice is echoing. How is it echoing? It's here. It's coming out of me. I just went, hey, and when I, hey, all of a sudden it's, I hear it, hey, hey, hey. You see, the second that the instant it came out of me, it no longer is now. Why? Because the reason you can hear the echo means that once something event happens, what happens, immediately it becomes the past. And what happened is the sound is picked up and reverberated because of a space of time. If there wasn't a space of time from the time I said, hey, hey, hey. If there wasn't a space of time, why would you hear it repeatedly as it fades away? So as soon as you release a word, it's no longer a now word. It's a then word. So if I'm looking at a star at night, and you say, wow, it's a beautiful star. say, yeah, I guess it is. I know it was. What do you mean, Pastor, it was? Well, well. I mean, it could still be, but you see, I'm seeing hundreds of years after the fact. It takes that light to get from that star to me. So really, when you see something, you're not seeing it in its present. You're seeing a reflection of its presence that's now the past. What are you talking about, Pastor? So so I'm not when I see Mark, as soon as I look at him, it's no longer the present. Because it takes time for my optic nerves to pick up the reflection of Mark and bring it to my brain to process it. Therefore, I would look at him and say, hmm, that's now. No, that's not now, that was. Okay. See, see, time is not a principle. Time is a gift. That's why when God says double annunciations, when He starts a sentence and when He starts a word, it's not only God's word. He's saying you, you better better listen out. When He repeats Himself in the same sentence, look out. He wants to make sure you get a now word. Well, you, you say I don't know, Pastor. I, I don't know. You know that kind of makes sense with science, but I don't know about faith. How that works? Well, what what is faith? Anybody knows? Hebrew 11.1, 1, anybody know that? What, what kind of faith is? See, there's only one kind of faith. If, if you think you have faith for something in the future, that's hope. And if you're looking at the past, that's finished. But if you're believing and you speak something, faith is a now Faith. So the only way I can see a truth of God in the present is through faith. Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't hear now, I can only hear an echo from what the, 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 the bone in my ear reverberates and picks up. It doesn't hear immediately, it hears the reverberation off of things. And the reverberation, then my mind processes it and I put it into a sound. So what I hear, what I see, even what I smell, even what I feel, even what I, that's not now. That's not present tense, that's past tense. Are you tracking with me? So, so what I want you to understand today, let us, look at look what the Scripture says here. It says in, in 2 Corinthians, look at this now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Look at this now. Put my glasses on for this one. It says, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are what? Not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but things which are not seen are eternal. Faith is a vehicle to take you into the unseen realm, the spirit realm, which is now. And the only way I can know the truth and the truth set me free, because Jesus is the truth and the light, the only way we can worship him, he said himself in John chapter 4, is what? In spirit and truth because our body is really, even though it's a split second to us, it's still living in the past not the now so you say well how can I receive a truth or a revelation from God now you can, but you can't receive it through your natural senses because now faith is a substance hope for the evidence of things not seen, not smelled, not felt not heard It's not to do with your five senses. It's the sixth sense called faith. By grace, what through grace? By grace we are saved, what through faith? Hmm. Where, Where are you going with this, Pastor? See, that's the power of a decision. The power of a decision is I have been given a gift by God to choose, I can choose life or death. I can choose health or sickness. I, I can choose freedom or bondage. Say, so, yeah, but, 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 preacher, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things happened in my life and I didn't choose it. Yeah, but, but, but here's the key it already happened. Are you still living there? Is that your story? Is that your history? Or are you ready to move forward and turn your heart toward the Father so he can turn his heart toward you to download to you your now revelation, your now freedom, your now healing, your now deliverance, your now salvation? You see, so many men are bound up. Over 90% of the homes, when a man gives his life to Christ, a man of the house, the father of the man of the house, over 90% of the family gives their life to the Christ and becomes Christ followers. When a a lovely lady gives her, a mom, a grandmother who gives her life to Christ in a household, only 55% come to Christ on an average. Nothing wrong with that, but it just shows the fullness and the completeness of God and the role that God has placed man in the earth so that we can influence. And if we're not making the proper decisions and the right choices, then we're going to have what? The wrong influence. So what I want to talk to you about today for the next few minutes when we do our resolution is this. No more excuses. It's time to stop the excuses. My mama knew when I was telling an excuse, usually it's a lie or just not quite the truth. Anything that has X in front of it probably isn't that great. Excuse, excuse, right? She, She can read Dalton real quick. Real quick, like no one else. Why? Because she knew Dalton's heart and she could read me quick. Why? Because she knew me. So we as children of God and men of God, we got to come to a place in our life where we stop making excuses. I want to take a few moments here and look at two kings. And I want to do a little comparison here of King Saul, the first king of Israel, and then King David, the second king of Israel. As we look at that, men, I want you to begin to allow this to resonate in your heart, allow this to resonate in your mind, and the Holy Spirit touch you and convict you and challenge you. Because I think so many times as men, we find ourselves in compromising positions because we give attention to the wrong things you see if whatever I'm focused on that's what I'm going to get if I'm focused on worry and fear I'm going to get what worry and fear brings if I'm focused on God and what God said and let him be true and every man be a liar and that gives me belief or faith then I'm going to receive what faith says I can have see we got to make a decision you say yeah no but preacher you don't know these things that's happened to me listen life is seasons right anybody believe that If you're more than 10, you probably know that. Life is seasons. Do you think your season is a surprise to God? I mean, he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So in the beginning, he's always been. He always was. He always is. He always will be. God doesn't have a past, present, or future. God is. Moses, God, who are you? I am. Then he asked him again, no, God, to be real, who are you? I am. Well, well, God, who I am that I am. In other words, I can't be anything other than me. And I am the alpha, the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the answer, the healer, the savior, the filler. I am the truth. And when you know me, I am the truth. When you know the I am, you can be set free. <laughs> well, 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 you say, well, I don't know though. You say, you know, these seasons. I thought, you know, when I got all cleaned up, fixed up, saved up and all that, you know, these problems and I'm give, I'd never have another financial problem and I serve in the kingdom and attend church and I pray for people. I mean, I'd never walk in sickness or fear. No, no, no. There's seasons that are no surprise that you will face. The question is, what do you do with your season? You see, Tony, we know winter is coming, right? If you live in Kentucky or say you live in Colorado, you know winter is coming, Now, you could stay outside with little or no clothing and live outside with nothing to protect you in winter, and guess what? You will die. I mean, that's no shock to you. It gets sub-zero, and you're out there, and you're in your T-shirt and your jeans. You're going to (laughs) die. So the key is, I'm not surprised when winter comes. The key is, am I in a now place with God? I am a decision. I get a return, not on who I was, but who I is. And I can't be who I is without revelation and faith because I can't even see now, I'm just seeing a reflection of what was. So men, be a good cheer. You're not who you were. But you can be who I am says you are. Look at look this. You can be in that same Colorado weather and you got one or two charts. Some some people die, and some people ski. <laughs> what, what, what? It's so bad. It's so bad. God winters coming. Oh, God, i me. And somebody who's like travels and pays thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of to go to Colorado, leave them Florida or wherever to f- what we would think freeze. But instead of freezing, they're out there, it's beautiful. Oh, we need another foot of snow. Oh, this and the other people are like, oh. Uh. So, so, so the key is how do you define your winter season? See, he gave you the power to choose. So you can live, be in the winter season of your life and you can choose to die or to ski. God gave you the ability to choose. You, you in school? You in college? You out of college? You been in college? You didn't finish? Did You You did. What, what was your major? Business? Well, I think God's got something else for you. Maybe it's another level of training or something. Stand up, I want to pray for you. I just see in your chest like, like a, a lock, an old-fashioned padlock, like from ancient days, from the 1800s or something. And today the Holy Spirit is going to click some things free. Now, I know you love God and you're a child of God and you serve God uh, but there are some things that's deep in your heart that you feel at times hold you back from your best, hold you back from all you can be for God and you're a very committed person, so when you commit something, you follow through, you finish and the Holy Spirit said today, He's going to accelerate time in you now for that, for that which is next, which it won't be next it's going to be now, because He's Accelerating the time to bring it into your life. Now there's gonna be some more training. Man, I keep seeing finance. I don't know. Maybe it's investment, investor. I don't know. There's just something. I know it's kingdom stuff too, because you're you know, you want to serve God. You do music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're very anointed for that. I, I see that. Very anointed worshiper. Talented placing. Then it's going to be a dual thing for you. You're, you're not only going to be blessed in leading worship and doing music and traveling as well, but you're also going to be financially prosperous. And I think people may have said to you, you know, I don't know about that prosperity. You've got to choose one or the other. You've got to choose serving God or being in ministry or, 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 or this over here or wealth. And let me tell you something. If man said it, it's probably not true. Because man makes excuses when a season comes up and it can be hard. They don't choose to ski; they choose to hide and hunker down. But God says you're a man of faith, and there's going to be something inside you today unlock as you come into some resolution with God that He is true and every man is a liar, and He is going to release a fresh. You're I mean, already anointed, but He's going to stir up the gifts in you. A psalmist, I see that. Get out of! I love you, man. Oh, God bless you. So, 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 it's your choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to make excuses or what are you going to do? So, so here's what I want you to to know today. There's two types of men. There's men that make excuses and there's men that man up. I didn't say woman up, family up, church up. Said, so man up. Thank you, sir. So, so there's one of, one of two kinds of men men that make excuses or men that man up. Now, when we look at these two first kings, it's an amazing dichotomy of what God does. You know, the story of Saul, first of all, you know, he was the tallest one in the nation at the time, and he was leading his tribe and he was an amazing leader and wealthy and young and tall. He could even prophesy. He had an anointing on his life. But the children of Israel had been in sin and they didn't want God to run them with with a spiritual leader, a judge, a spiritual justice. They they wanted a king like other nations and so God gave them a king. He gave them Saul. And they were happy in the beginning with Saul. And as we see that Both Saul and David, the second king, both Saul and David made some great decisions but made some stupid decisions. But I want you to realize the dumb decisions, Paul, came when they were in battle. See, when we're in battle, it's not time to make excuses. It's time to man up. When you're in battle for your holiness, when you're in battle for your finances, when you're in battle for your marriage, when you're in battle for your kids, when you're in battle for your responsibilities, when you're in a battle for your health, it's not a time to make an excuse. It's a time to what? Man up. What? Man up. I got three women that said it. What? Man up. It's time to man up. Now, I, I got an anointing on me right now. You can tap into or you can sit there and die. Or you can ski today. It's your choice. You can, you can get on the slopes of conviction and have fun and get a reward. Or you can just sit there and die another day. It's your choice. You're, you can make an excuse or you can make a choice. So that preacher kind of hard. But my mama, when I was getting ready to cross the road, when I was a little boy across the street with traffic coming, she didn't just say, oh, "Honey, I'd really suggest that." She, boy, ah, get over here, throw me, not not like, throw me. I'm like, lay it on mama. Will you? I yes. just saved your life. Now get up and stand by me and watch what to do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Now I could have had a Chevy hit me and wipe me out. Or I could have mama grab hold of the nap of my neck. I'm just telling you the Holy Spirit today wants to grab a hold of you men. He wants to grab your neck and shake His anointing in you and His power and His authority in you. Man, I look at Chris and I look at that test. I just watched it over and over and over. Over and over and over. Because it just resonates. I mean, to have that kind of courage to make that decision. Now, now, you, you you better know you hear from God before you got, start running your mouth to your wife about stuff you've done. Because it may not end like that. You may end, but it may not end. So you need discernment, maybe even counsel on that. But that don't mean that you can't change in yourself. But God gave Chris a clear, clear now word, a revelation, and he's jumped on it. And out of that, God's really using him and, and, and Sarah to, to, to really bring transformation to families. As a matter of fact, her beautiful sister Tara and Aaron, her husband, they're here with their kids. Her father's here. Now Chris's mother rededicated her life. She's here. It's just cool over the four years watching them but it all went back he could be in a situation with no wife no kids, a lot of alimony a lot. maybe who knows what but God and allowing God to grab him and his heart but he still had to choose to turn his heart toward the Father so as men if we want to make excuses we're going to miss out on the favor and the blessing of God so so let's look at Saul first. I'm going to give you some highlights out of 1 Samuel 15. And I'll just begin in verse 1. God had, I'll set you up there, God had already given Saul very clear directives per Samuel what to do. He had been winning some battles. He had already rebelled against God once and, and God was giving him another opportunity. And now we see where Samuel comes to him in 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 7. And Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people. So listen now to the message from the Lord. You know, when, 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 when God's word, the spirit of God or whatever, says listen now to the word of the Lord, that doesn't just mean it's that day, that week, or while your prayer life was going good. Because God's word uh, always was, is, and will be. In other words, God's word is always now. That's right. So if he gave it to you and you were 12 and you're now 20 or 40 or 60 or 80, it's still a now word. It's like people get to their 50s and think, well, you know, I've I done my service now. Honey, that now word he gave you when you was a young girl or a young boy, that now word he gave you when you just started that marriage, when you just had your first child, you just got your first that that word hadn't changed because God's word is eternal. Right. To say that I've done a good job, you're going to find out that puts you in with the wrong king. Yeah, okay, just saying, just saying. Preacher, go on, say preach, boy. Yeah. So it says, listen to the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they have done to Israel, and they have waylaid them as they came up to the camp from Egypt. Look now, here's what his word do not spare them. Put to death men and women and children and infants and cattle and sheep and camels and donkeys. Whew. Not don't spare one, right? Now drop down to verse eight and see what King Saul did before Samuel got there after the battle. He, King Saul, took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive. I thought he was supposed to kill him. And all his people totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and the cattle and the calves and the lambs. They what? Spared everything that was good. They were unwilling to destroy completely. They got rid of the weak things. They destroyed them. But the good things, they... Well, God, can you get this addiction out of my life? God, can you get this poverty out of my life? Lord, can you give me the dream of my life? And when God does something for us, we get on down the road and we're too busy, right? Right? We're like a car, that, a dog that a car catches going about 30 miles an hour by the tire. I wish it didn't catch it. But it really wanted that car bad. So, so, so what, what are you saying, preacher? Be careful when you protect everything that's good. Wow. Because everything good didn't come from the devil. It came from the Lord. And it ain't yours, honey. Your time is not yours Your oxygen is not yours. Your body is not yours. Your influence is not yours. You are simply a steward operating in this season, which is the shortest season of your existence. Whether it's 80 or 100 years. It's not even a blimp. It's not even a minute in the time of eternity. Look at your neighbor and say, you're rich. I mean, say it like you mean it. I want to hear you. Say it one more time. You're rich. You're rich. Now, now, how many in here you feel you're rich? Raise your hand. Okay. That's well, about 20% of you. Now, I want you to put your hands down. Now, if you had a bed to sleep in last night, raise one hand. Keep it up. Don't put it down. Keep it up. Put it down. Did you have a bed to sleep in last like Did you have a pillow to put your head in? Keep it up. Now, if you have a fr- refrigerator in your house that has anything at all, I don't care if it's just cheese and bologna, what, anything at all that if you had to eat it to survive, you could just shout real loud. Yeah! Do you know that 97% of this world or 95% of this world does not have a pillow and a bed and a refrigerator with choice? If you said yes to all three of those, you are in the 90-plus percentile of wealth in the world. But, you know, you can't see it because your decisions are not made from knowledge and revelation of God. It's made by how you view others. That's where the excuses come from. Oh, oh, look look at this now. I'm just, just, just talking to you, man, just a little talk, a little daddy talk so be careful when you protect everything good because you're rich yeah but I get past due in my mailbox you got a mailbox I'm going to have to move again I can't pay my rent but at least you got a place to move to you'll find something if you don't there's government housing you can find a spot try to do that in Romania try to do that in, in Kenya try to do it. But, but but you're rich But if you don't see yourself rich, then you'll live poor. But poverty does not have to do with your bank account. Poverty has to do with your spirit. Mm. So, just a little side note there for you. So then the word of the Lord... Oh, so where was I? Oh, let's see. Okay, look here. uh, Verse 10. So so when Samuel arrives to him, it says in verse 10, drop down to that. Then the Lord came to Samuel. He said, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and not carried out my instructions. I don't want to bring regret to God. I mean, I'm like, I remember uh, when Aaron... Uh, Tara's husband, they were sitting over here and Prophet Trout was giving them words. I could tell he was, that's Chris's brother-in-law before they started coming here regularly and I could tell he was processing everything the prophet was saying. And I was like, man, I'm kind of wondering, is he he receiving or what? And, you know, here he is over a year later and God's just using him in an awesome way in our church, our church family. You see, because what he was doing, he was not a man making excuses. He was a man that was manning up like, okay, Lord, I'm processing what the word you're saying to me is. So when that word came to Samuel about Saul, that Saul didn't carry out his instructions, Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel got up, and he went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. Now look at this now. There, Saul was not only, not only did he start the battle before Samuel got there, he finished it and took the spoil, and left, and went to a city called Carmel, without even letting Samuel know. And he not only went there, look what he did. Early morning, he, went over there. So he said there he went to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Be careful when the good things you consider honorable. Your, what you have does not bring honor. Who you is brings honor. He said is, exactly. I want you to remember it who you are in Christ, and Christ in you is the hope of your glory. He said, there he has set up a monument in his own honor and turned and gone down to Gilgal. Gilgal in Hebrew means cutting away of the flesh. See, he he went down there to celebrate after he put his monument up. He didn't realize some flesh was getting ready to get cut away. Verse 13, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, "Woo." I went not gossiped and stabbed you in the back. Bless you, prophet, woman, man, prophetess, priest, whatever, God. What is it. it? says, the Lord bless you. Look, look, look here now. Because I'm over 50 now, right? I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Wow. Have you? Are you still breathing? Maybe you're not finished. That's right. But I've been doing this 10 years or 20 or 30, and God's word is not was, it's now. So, when we look at this excuse, it's, it's like we as men have to watch the same excuse. You know, Saul had three excuses I've been talking about a little bit. His first excuse was denial, he was denying it. He said, Hey, blessed man of God, I did everything you told me to do, I did everything God said for me to do and Saul probably really believed that be careful when you're believing yourself over God it's kind of a picture of God's word coming to us today saying you really missed it here and we said no Lord I didn't miss it I just did what you wanted me to do not more not less But so when we hear a a word preached and God speaks to our heart or we're studying doing a devotional and God speaks, and so we're driving down the road, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and convicts our heart. You don't just say, no, that, I'm good, God. I got enough for that blessing. Uh-uh. No, it's, that's cool, God. But even then, God didn't reject Saul right there. He gave him a chance. His second excuse was to defend it. So it says, but... But in verses 14, 15, but Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep I hear in my ears? Because he said, I did everything God said. I know somebody here today that says, Tell the truth and help yourself. You tell somebody the truth, you can help you get, get some help. You can't get no help, if you don't tell the truth, right? I, I hearing the bleeding of the sheep in my ear. What is the lowing? Lowing or lowing of the cattle that I hear. Verse 15, Saul answered, Oh, kind of like Adam. The soldiers did it. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord. You're God. Oh, it, they were bad, but they were bad for a good reason. They, he 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 tried to make disobedience deflect. He was really brilliant. Deflect his wrong from them, since he was the king and he had authority and told them what to do. And so, Sean, he not only deflected his authority, he even made it like they did it to honor God. Well, Lord, you know, I just took that extra position to honor you, but you can't be in my house. You can't be under my word you, you can't raise those babies you were praying for you, you can't be that husband you, you, you were believing and fasting to be because you're not present what were you praying for when you were praying for that girl? What were you praying for? Were you praying for a, to make a living so you could have a family? What, what were you praying for when you got those babies? And now maybe you got grandbabies? Because well, well, if you think that word's finished, you may be finished, but that word's going on in eternity. And the word is what judges us. You're, you're not getting judged by Dalton's word. You're getting judged by God's word to you. Right in the Holy Ghost house. Say no more excuses. Let me give you his quick last because I got about five minutes to get to David here. His third excuse was this, deflect it. That's what he did, didn't he? He blamed it on the soldiers. First, he defended it. It was the soldiers. They spared the best of sheep to sacrifice the Lord our God. Then third, he deflected it. Verses 20 and 21, he said, but I did obey the Lord. Yeah, Jezebel. You know what a Jezebel spirit is? It means darkness. That's Saul. He had Jezebel's spirit. He had darkness. Did you know the only thing that can conquer and consume light, like when you see a, a dark hole in space, it's where light and darkness meet. And if light goes directly into that space, it dissipates and disappears. Because light operates on reflection. So, a Jezebel spirit means you don't allow the reflection of God and His Word and His presence to illuminate in your life and your heart. Goodness. So, those, those soldiers took all those sheep and cattle. So, here's what happened to Saul. Saul would not take ownership of his own sin or his bad choices. So Saul, he kept his position but lost his protection. He kept his title and lost his anointing. He kept his name on, he kept God's name on his life, but he lost God's blessing on his life. Oh, you 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 may think it's going good because you still got your name, you got your title, you got your gift set. But the key is, is it still anointed, is it still protected, and is it still blessed? Because when you get to heaven, you say, well, I cast out devils, I prophesied, I've done all that, Lord. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Well, let me get to the upbeat one. Let's get to David real quick. Five minutes here. So what we're talking about, guys, making a resolution, making a resolution today so we see here in 2 Samuel, and I won't go there, chapter 12, Nathan the prophet comes to to David. And David is in, you know, he'd already committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba. He'd lied about it. He'd already sent her husband to the front line to be killed, so he's a murderer. And he'd been quiet for over a year. He hadn't sang. He hadn't done nothing. He's depressed. He knows the power. See, the power of sin will shut you up if you allow it. The power, but, but see, he was living like that sin was now, but it wasn't. That sin had already passed. And if he would, the only thing that can go into your past is the blood. Because it's already there. Oh yeah, Lord, I'm praying for the blood. No, the blood is there. It's here and it's. It's the blood, the anointing, the atonement of God, the blood of Jesus that was released on the cross, that same atoning blood. It's in your past, it's in your present, it's in your future because in God there's only now. So if you want to go back a minute ago, 10 minutes ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is, and apply that same blood that is right there in your mess right now, you can get free. Or you can live under the bondage of yesterday. But here's the difference between David and Saul. The first time David received correction from the prophet of God, he obeyed, he listened, he received, he repented, he responded to God's correction. So let me read a few verses out of Psalm 51. Because David wrote this song, this psalm in response to God correcting his heart through the prophet. says in verses 1 through 4, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your what? We were saying about unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned, I have done what is evil in your sight. Then down in verse 10, so he didn't say uh, 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 it was the soldiers or it was Bathsheba, he never mentioned Bathsheba, never mentioned Uriah, never mentioned that he wasn't in battle, he was laying back. Verse 10, here's what he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So even through all that, he still had the Holy Spirit. See, you got a season of grace, but I don't know how long your season is. I know before a famous, famous evangelist, the number one evangelist that we would have known of in the world about 30 years ago, hit songs, huge church of 10,000 plus huge college, all kinds of stuff, and he was into pornography and into prostitutes and all that, and one of my grandfathers in the faith, Dr. Summerall, went to him, all in another state way from where he lived, and he came to his office, and they knew him very well, he knew Dr. Summerall, and his wife was out there, and she said, what are you doing here, Lester? He says, you know what I'm doing here, nobody called, he said, I'm coming here to set him free, no, you're not, you're not going in that office, yes, I'm here to set him free, free of what, Lester? You know what I'm here to set him free of. It's none of your business. I'm going to go in there to that man of God. And I'm going to set that man free. He went in there and the man cried and whined and moaned but he didn't get free because he wouldn't admit it. He wouldn't accept it. He wouldn't receive. And now his life has just been up, down, destroyed, tried to build it back, destroyed and just a shell of what he could have been. And this man had already been famous for 30 years and See, God's no respecter of persons, and God extends grace to every one of us. The key is, what do we do with that grace? We don't know the time of the hour, when that grace is going to lift, not because of God, but because of our response to the truth. Hmm. So so what happened here, and I'll just tell you because we're going to pray. First of all, David didn't make excuses. He made a resolution. He made three important resolutions. The first resolution is he declared it. He said, my sin, my guilt, my rebellion, my heart. You got to own it. You got to tell the truth. The second thing, second resolution he made, verse 13, he denounced it. He said, what did he say? I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. What did he do? He said, "Not only did I do this, and I repent, Lord, and I hear you, and I'm convicted, but I'm going to give a new meaning to that life that you set me free from and healed me. I'm going to go declare it to others. And what am I going to do? I'm going to denounce it with my life and my wisdom and my influence. And I'm going to use that to give other kings and other men new meaning, so that they don't fall into the same didn't don't fall planet." dive into it head first the same sin I did so you can either he could have died in his winter or got healed and went skiing he chose to go skiing the third resolution is this resolution to defeat it verses 14 and 15 said forgive me of shedding, for shedding blood oh God who saves then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness unseal my lips O Lord my mouth may praise you. David had been quiet for over a year and had not written a song, sung, or even publicly praised God because of his guilt. But then what did he do? He defeated it, but he didn't defeat it out publicly making there. but he defeated it in his own heart and made a decision and gave it to God, and God empowered him to put it behind him. You know, in Acts 13, they talk, the word of God talks about David and said that God has found himself a new king. He's removed Saul, and he's chosen David, a man after God's own heart that would do anything God asked him to do. Now, David's like all men. He did a lot of things God didn't ask him to do. But he humbled himself, and he repented. Well, I could deal with that if I wasn't offended. Offense is not someone else's problems or even God's. God said, you be offended. He said, but be not easily offended. But here's the key. When you're easily offended or not easily offended, whenever offense comes, you make a decision to release others, whether they release you or not. And then you don't have that fence bondage around you. So you can live in fear of faith. Fear, F-E-R. AR, false evidence appearing real. You can live in faith, a now word, a now truth, a now revelation of God. So today, men, I want to challenge you. You want to give me the the resolution? I got one up here, but it's from five years ago. It might, I think it's the same, and this is just prettier and bigger. How many of you men have this resolution, this paper? Do you not have this paper, men? Do you not have this paper? They have a small copy. You have a small copy. I believe it. You've got a chance to read it. But I want us us all to stand for just a moment. Let's all stand. And I want to read this out loud to you, and then I'm going to pray. Here's the man up resolution that we make. And after the service, those that want to, I'm going to meet them up in the front room over here, and I'm going to sign with you. Where you sign, I'll sign. If you don't have time to do it, we can do it another day. But it was powerful the last time we did it. Here's the first resolution as a man. I do, solemnly, I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. Now, if you don't have a wife, you need to take responsibility now if you want a wife because you date the wrong girl, you'd be a miserable dude. So I'm just saying, you can still be responsible. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the Word of God. That's the spiritual leader of my home. I will be faithful to my wife to love, to honor her, be willing to lay down my life for her as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them the love of God with all of their hearts, to love God with all their hearts, all their minds and all of their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness and respect and compassion. I will work diligently to provide to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those who I've wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent from my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to His church, obey His word, and do His will. I will courage- courageously work for the with the strength god provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life from glo- from his glory for his glory as for me and my house we will serve the lord joshua 24:15 amen, amen.